We'll check it out, y'all. We got what you need. We're all living in apartments, condos, vans. Well, dude, even you can have a studio. A studio in a box. Yes, we can help you with that right here at Blind Knowledge. We work on your budget, and we figure out your measurements. We'll get you the best sound for the best price. Let me know, 877-237-1143 or at blindknowledge.com. Yep. People are strange when you're a stranger. Faces look ugly when you're alone. Women seem wicked when you're unwanted. Streets are uneven when you're down. And welcome, everybody. Here we are, Sunday night. Favorite time, favorite place, favorite people. <laughs> Bunch of strangers here uh, to Global Strangeness, brought together by uh, love of everything paranormal and weird. <laughs> so this week, we dumped it on Michael to bring us a topic. <laughs> and <laughs> I was really excited because I think the we did a part one of this. And uh, Jeremy, I think you said this was our second episode or something. So... Well over Second or third. Yeah. It was we still had our original fourth member at that time, I remember if I remember oh, okay. right. So it's been a while, right? So we're talking about haunted objects, which is always so much fun. I, I think it's so interesting when you see on um Facebook or whatever, you see people ordering up haunted items and unpacking them and stuff. I don't know who does <laughs> that. And I I don't know why you'd purposely order up something haunted, but kind of funny. <laughs> you can buy them on well, Amazon now. I know, isn't the, it? The same reason that that freaking Scott wants to go and summon a freaking uh, skunk ape in the Everglades with a Ouija board because it's just a bad idea that he wants to do it's it. Just, I know, right? <laughs> it's, anyways, so I guess I guess that's actually something to consider if you collect it at all. You can make a fortune selling it because it seems like people are like into it too, buying this kind of jerk. So, anyways, um. So I just, I found a few unusual unusual ones because last time I think we, you know, we kind of covered Roberts and all the, the usual suspects kind of thing. So I found a yeah that, and, and maybe some of you guys are going more in depth with that stuff this time. I don't know, but I kind of picked stuff I hadn't heard too much about before. So, and then I have a personal story as a special treat. <laughs> so the first one I, I came across, um, it's the picture, Jeremy, if you want to bring it up, of the exterior of the building. But this is the story of Thomas Busby. So he was a bad dude in 1702. And he was a counterfeiter and criminal and just degenerate. And he had a partner that was his father-in-law. <laughs> and apparently he actually murdered the father-in-law, Daniel Audi. So... Anyways, he that was, was mine, bud. That one's oh. mine. Oh, yeah, that's oh. a different <laughs> But anyways, this Buzz this Busby character, he was arrested um at a local inn and sentenced to death by hanging, which you know was the, the way to go back then, I guess. They <laughs> that was at good entertainment. Yeah, is, is your picture up? Yep, that's it. Okay. I just want I just want to make sure I it actually showed me changing it. Okay. So apparently, anyways, according to the legend, he laid a curse on his favorite chair at this inn, um, saying that death would come soon to anyone who dared to sit in his seat. So uh, apparently he had his favorite place at the local watering hole and nobody should ever sit there even after his death. 
So after his execution, his remains were hung in a gibbet, which I don't really know what a gibbet is. It's like a little, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Anyways, um, from a stoop at the Sand Hutton Crossroads, now the location of the Busby Stoop Inn, which is what we're looking at there. So the inn and the surrounding area are said to be haunted by his ghost and one chair in particular, so his chair, he's still very jealous about it, <laughs> um, has a really sinister reputation following a string of tragic events. Um, Second World Warman airmen who sat in the chair were said to never return from their missions. And uh, the chair is also link linked to several road accidents and fatal illnesses. So, I mean, the airman, maybe they just got drunk and didn't return to work and took an easy out. <laughs> but anyways, apparently there was like accidents and illnesses and whatever, kind of like Robert, like if you touch the chair, you get it. So in 1978, the inn's, inn's landlord um, removed the chair to the Thirsk Museum just a few miles down the road. And the chair is now suspended high above ground at the museum so no one can ever sit in it. And um, accidentally befall a curse <laughs> so what do you think would you sit down have a drink and say screw you i'm having my whiskey here it's my favorite chair too i wouldn't test it you yeah would. i mean it might take a few whiskeys to get me in there to do that right i could see you going into there you know and and starting out being really respectful and then you know by one o'clock in the morning it seems like a better idea to tempt <clears throat> What about you, Michael? Because you're well, skeptic. Would you sit in the chair? I mean, you can now. No. Take high, but if you right. <clears throat> so, De Deborah, what what do you think the mechanism is by way of perpetually cursing an object? How did this man? What were the powers? What are the supernatural forces that transformed his words into imminent doom? for all people under this category for all time. How do you think that works? I mean, I thought I was thinking about this too, because I like, obviously I believe in, in the spirit world and everything. I think when it comes to haunted objects, it's residual energy. And then a lot of added energy from people carrying the story forward. Like it's, everybody's projecting this energy okay. into it. And so then you manifest the things, you know? That's what I believe. So what like an alpha? Is. Well, like you, like, you know, there is residual energy. Like people go into haunted houses, you can feel the negative energy of if, say, if there was a murder there, it's not necessarily the ghost, but you're feeling the event that that sort of stagnant energy in the place. And then in these cases, like the legend kind of grows and grows and grows. And it just, you know, when everybody, there's a, you know, a, a room full of people and they're all, focusing and they're believing in one certain thing it kind of it, like it comes true right so like a self-fulfilling prophecy of sorts that's what i think curses are that's yeah like I think there's it, a it's like a what's it called um curse. like like a, a it's what a golem is classified under i forget what it's called um uh not a totem but uh What the hell's that word? Oh my god, I can't think of it. Something that people make. So, so, it's basically something people manifest into reality. Yes, uh, yes. Thank you, thank you. I could not think of that for life. Me for some reason. What did, what did yeah. you say? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear it. Tulpa. Yeah, tulpa. Oh. It's, it's it's something that, 
it's what go it's what people believe golems wore back in medieval time medieval times that it's something a jewish person would be able to manifest and create from just their anger or their sadness or something like that okay interesting and top there's been a lot of, like there's been x-files episodes about it. there's been supernatural episodes about it like it's a very well-known thing in the paranormal community that top topos are things we create because we put enough belief into it like yeah. it, it's it's been said like the two fairy and santa claus can be topos yeah and i really i think there's so much to be said about focus like especially group focus it, it's really powerful but then i guess the flip side is to i i and maybe i'm not sure what i feel about this but sometimes um you know really strong magical or you know people with strong abilities can trap a demon in a box or something like that so where somebody's put the thing in and i don't know about that like what do you guys think about that because that's the other flip side of you, what it is is it an actual spirit stuck in a little thing i mean do you mean a divic are you talking about like a divic box yeah but the, yeah something like that but there's a lot of those are just also lore and people <laughs> believing in it but then there's stories about where say a uh, you know, black witch or a witch of any sort can contain an entity. I don't know about that. I'm, that's going above my pay grade into this isn't, stuff. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't, isn't that called marriage? Yes, <laughs> marriage. Oh my God. <laughs> so Deborah, in your research, have you found tangible evidence that these curses are effective. I mean, we all know about the archaeologists who've gone into, you know, Pharaoh's tombs, aware of a curse, <laughs> how many of them died. You know, they came from England, went to the tomb, half of them died. I mean, it's, was it the curse? Was it, you know, germs and viruses that their bodies were not accustomed to? that were present in the soil or in the tomb. I mean, what evidence do we have for these events? Well, and that's the thing. It's all kind of up in the air, and I feel like it's probably a bit of all of it, right? You know, there's this curse. People are a little bit scared to begin with, so they kind of have that energy going. And then there is mold or some sort of thing, and the person <laughs> next to you gets violently sick, and that just adds to the fear and the, you know, validity of it all. Like, I think it all just spirals on top of each other. It's probably all of it. They probably did that back in the day too, right? Like if they knew that you could get sick off of something, they would tell you like this object's cursed or whatever to make it seem like they had magical powers. Well, and think like the ego trip, right? Like how fun is that to be like, you know, whoever touches this, you know, there's, you know, and then people play into it. And the second anything happens, they're, you know, Nobody's talking about the good days where nothing happens, but the second mm -hmm. one bad thing happens, everybody hears about it. And so it's all that focused energy again. So I don't know. Maybe we should curse something. And, and see if it works. Out, send it out, you know, sell it on eBay or whatever and see if we get any feedback. <laughs> I like that idea. We'll sell it on eBay. This is like field research. Well, you know, my wife and I have this debate all the time. She believes in karma. I personally believe that karma is a poor man's revenge fantasy. Uh, <laughs> so this kind of seems like karma, right? Anyone who violates this rule, you know, now you're cursed by me for all mm -hmm. eternity. Is that karma? 
I don't know. Is it the same thing? So what I was thinking about when I proposed this topic for today, are you familiar with a belief called animism? Yes. So the idea is that gods or spirits inhabit physical objects. And those, so therefore those physical objects have a spiritual entity attached to them. So whenever I think of <clears throat> a haunted object, and I've sent a video, maybe we'll take a look at it, mm -hmm. because I've got this uh, black acrylic cougar in the house, and I think we mentioned this in the past. I walk past this thing every day ten times, and like other things in your home that uh, you just become used to, it kind of evaporates. You don't see it anymore. It doesn't grow your attention. It's just a decoration. I mean, if you if somebody were to ask you, tell me about all the paintings on your wall, uh, you may not even remember what they are because after a while you stop paying attention. So I've got this uh, acrylic cougar. Actually, it's a Black Panther. And I never pay attention to it except once in a while. Once in a while, I walk past this thing, and it kind of like our eyes lock. It's very strange. I notice it, and I'm looking at its eyes, and it, its eyes look like they're following me. And the hair on the back of my neck stands up. So, you know, when we talked to the demon folklorist on the show a few weeks back, uh, she had this method of assessing the type of entity that you were dealing with. And it's really interesting because all of the attributes are physical attributes. It's physicality, right? It's a sound. It's a smell. It's a feeling. It's an image. So... You know, if you look at her analysis of haunted things, if you will, you know, this thing ticked off some of the boxes, right? I got a very weird feeling about it. The hair on the back of my neck stood up. Uh, it gave me like a visual cue. I was looking at its eyes because I was drawn to that. So... What I did is I got out my SLS camera and I took a video. So what I wanted to assess is, you know, is this objectively something that's going on? Am I making it up? What led me to believe that I wasn't making it up is, again, I walk past this thing every day and there's nothing. But only occasionally I react to it. So the question that I have as a skeptic is why now? Why am I reacting now? Uh, is it a chemical imbalance in my mind that's causing me to overreact to a stimuli that's not there? You've been hanging that's out with Scott? I got out the SLS camera because when I put the SLS camera on it, the SLS camera showed it picked something up. It picked up a ghost in the, in the, in the statue. So 
I'm not entirely discounting the idea that inanimate objects can be harbingers or harbors, safe harbors of some kind of energy. I don't think this is the idea for animism, but maybe it is. Somebody with a, a religious studies background uh, could probably help us out here. Do, do, you think, do you feel like maybe, because it's kind of weird, sometimes it's like the, the spirit is trapped inside an object, but really spirits manipulate objects. Like, you know, they catch your attention by manipulating things all the time. They turn, flip on lights. Doesn't mean your light switches, you know, has an entity right. in it. So like they manipulate stuff. So maybe perhaps, because you don't notice it all the time. Maybe it's, you know, it just does, there's a spirit that's hanging around your house and that's how he catches your attention is draws your attention to, to that particular thing at that moment. So that's why I thought this was not like animism because the idea of animism seems to suggest that these spirits are permanently associated with objects like wood or whatnot. Whereas this seems to be a fleeting thing. So maybe, maybe this entity, whatever it is, right, it just happens to get trapped in this object or use this object in you know, my living space. And I become aware of that through, well, let's call it extrasensory perception, right? Because I think anytime the hair sends up on the back of your neck, it really is extrasensory perception. We don't really understand what sense is being activated, right? So let's just call it extrasensory perception. So this entity or this energy seems to float. And I don't know if you've had this experience where, you know, you walk through your house all the time and it's dark. I know, Deborah, you're in Canada. The sun only shines there a few days a year. It's like <laughs> I grew up. So you're used to walking in a dark house, and I see you changed rooms. I left the doors behind you in the past. It was much scarier. But uh, so it's like, well, all of a sudden you're walking through this room, and now, now you're uncomfortable. You've been walking through this room all the time. Why now? Have you had that experience? Never. I personally have. I'm sure every, like, well, Scott and Jeremy both say they have spirits in their house, right? So it's, but my well, experience, spirits can come and go, like all, all kinds of entities and whatever. They come and go, right? So you will notice, and if there's a lower vibrational thing, you are going to notice it in a kind of negative way. But there's also, sometimes you'll smell your grandmother's perfume and it's a, a warm feeling. So that's so, that's a, warm like that's your grandmother or whatever you know you can also experience high vibrational spirits but they come and go they're not like trapped in anything i want to know why you haven't given this thing something. to the goodwill you what well scott you're a smart man i think at the beginning of this show you mentioned that people are selling shit on ebay because it's haunted you know you get a premium for that crap. There you go, dude. I'm not going to give something away that I can sell for a premium because it's haunted. It's a yeah. So everybody be on the lookout on eBay for a haunted Black Panther coming out of Florida. That'll be mine. 
<laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. Can we? Is this a video? Can we want? Can we see? Yeah. Right yeah, I got, I got, I got ready to go. I was waiting for uh, Mike to get in there. So <laughs> this was right after the hair on the back of my neck stood up. Let's call that ESP. And look. Oh. All right. Wait a minute. I want to see. I want to see if I can slow this down. Maybe. Uh, uh, no, I cannot. Yeah, apparently I can't do that. Okay. We do not have the technology. But, we but you can see the SLS is picking up something. Movement, yeah. Wild. It's like running, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. And it's fleeting, right? Like I said. It'll go months and I'll not even notice this freaking thing unless I'm trying to vacuum around it. <laughs> and then uh, all of a sudden I'll walk past it one day and I'll look at its eyes and the hair on the back of my neck stands up. And then, here we go with all of this again. So yeah, it's, it's creepy. It's creepy. I, I know we talked about SLS and we acknowledge that it can do a lot of false positives. Particularly here, you know, it has some physical resemblance to a person, right? The legs and the head. So is this a false positive? Am I making all this crap up? I don't know. I could be. But uh, so. Don't put I that in your I'm eBay listing. <laughs> yes. Don't second guess yourself. <laughs> it's haunted. $1,000 worth of hauntedness right there. Well, I guess my next test has to be, guys, when I don't feel this thing, I need to take out SLS and see what it tells me, right? Yeah, try it. Do some That's random. Have yeah. you done other random things in your house with that SLS? No, but I was in... Where the hell was I? I was in this really creepy hotel in California, only since San Diego. And it was a really old hotel. And uh, I went into the basement. You know, when I go to hotels for my other job, I try to find areas that are like off limits because that's where all the good stuff is. Mm -hmm. So I went down into this basement where they used to have a bank vault. Clearly, they're never taking away the bank vault doors because it's impossible to get them out of the building now. So they turned it into a conference room. So I walked into this conference room and I turned on the SLS. And this image of a ghost appeared right in front of me, standing on a chair. And it was really interesting because as I got closer to the, the chair, uh, the, the ghost did not stop activating. It was very strange. Hmm. So I do tend to use that device when I go to... I tried it on the cruise ship. No ghosts on the cruise ship. I don't know why. <laughs> you know, you would think one of these dumb, drunk college guys that jumps overboard thinks he's going to swim home. I guess his ghost never becomes attached to the ship. <laughs> How how much did you use that thing on your cruise? 
Only a couple of times. Once I I wasn't getting any hits. I'm like, yeah. It would be interesting to take it to like a like a really well known haunted, you know, where there's a lot of activity that other teams have gone and done and see. Yeah, this uh, this hotel was reputed to be haunted. I never really developed the rapport with the front desk to get them to let me into the forbidden areas. Mm-hmm. But it was very old and very creepy. And the week I was there, they, uh, and I took pictures of this in an editorial effort to capture San Diego history. This uh, homeless person somehow got his head run over by the garbage truck right in front of the hotel. And it was this big oh. scene. And uh, I can send you the pictures if you want to see it. But it was, you know, there was energy there, right? There was bad, dark energy around this hotel. So I thought for sure I would find something, and I did. Is that an app? I don't remember. It is an app. It's uh, the SLS app from Ghost Hunters. Okay. Oh, check that out. <laughs> and what you, what kind of camera do you need to run it through? It's running on my Android, Scott, my Android phone. Okay. Yeah, I got Android too. So I don't think it'll work on Apples because Apples are for happy people. You need to have one of these <laughs> cynical cell phones. Oh, right? Dang it, I got the wrong phone then. <laughs> uh If your cell phone is not cynical, the SLS is not going to work. <laughs> So what do you think? So what if you took that thing up to Robert, which apparently you'd be risking your life because he's very particular, or Annabelle, like something, like an actual thing where everybody believes the spirit is like trapped inside there. Is that gonna is that gonna pick up that like a mofo or <laughs> if I go up to to who, I'm sorry? Like Robert the doll, like the famous, like you know, or Annabelle, one of those famous oh like, yeah that or the crying boy photo picture or whatever, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I I can't tell you that I took it to. Have you ever been to? Obviously, you guys have been to many cemeteries doing ghost-related things. I was no, in never, <laughs> never. <laughs> Charleston, South Carolina. More cemeteries than you can shake a freaking stick at. And they go on for miles. <laughs> so I pulled over. I got out the SLS. And these things were popping up everywhere. They were jumping from the ground to the top of crypts and back down again. And as I would walk toward them, they would disappear and reappear at the next grave over. It was very strange. I can... I can probably send that to you if you want to see it. So how do you proclaim to be such a skeptic then? Because that's like, were you not, you know, is this not evidence to you? <laughs> well, you know, I'm a skeptic because I, I guess in a sense, I want to believe Deborah. I want, I want, you know, the idea that the world is only what we see in here also cannot be true. Right. Because, we can only see a certain range of light, and scientifically, we know that there are, light, you know, frequencies of light beyond 
on both sides of you know our ability to perceive. We know sound. Or we have a certain range of sound that we can hear. But scientifically, we know that there are frequencies of sound below and above. So as a skeptic, I acknowledge that what I'm perceiving in the world is only part of what's actually there. And I also have to acknowledge that a lot of what I'm perceiving is kind of being assembled in the brain, right? We're mm -hmm. assembling, it's almost like evolutionary. We assemble what we see and we hear to the benefit of our own survival. So there are many things that exist right in front of our eyes that evolutionarily we just ignore it because it's not relevant to our survival. So you're sounding much more like a believer. <laughs> what I'm sounding like is somebody who acknowledges possibilities. Yeah, you're just one of those guys that wants proof, like proof after proof after proof. Well, I don't necessarily want proof because, like I said, if the supernatural realm, although I'm going to hold you to the fact that you weren't able to answer my question last week, but if the supernatural realm exists beyond the parameters of our normal senses, then maybe what when a ghost or an entity or an energy kind of falls out of its natural range and into our range, that's when we get the hair on the back of our neck standing up. Does that make sense? Yeah. But last week I asked you a very good question and you weren't able to answer, Deborah. If I Goddamn shit to Canadians. He's like, why am I why am I in the hot seat? Okay. Because you you did you did remote viewing. You're oh, yes. the only one on yep. the call that I know that has done remote viewing. Yes. So if we agree that astral projection is the voluntarily voluntary soul leaving the body, it's a journey, right? Do we mm -hmm. agree that that's what astral projection is? Yes. Okay. And we also agree that upon death, the soul leaves the body, correct? Yes. So if, why can't I, in the course of astral projection, see the world or the universe or whatever's on the other side of death. Are you telling me that when the soul leaves the body and the body's still alive, it goes to a different place as it does when the body dies? I don't, re I don't recall this conversation because I feel like you can see everything. I, I feel like you're seeing other dimensions and that is where your soul is going. Okay. When you die. I don't yeah, think it's other dimensions. You're just without your body at that point. You're going so on. We need to get somebody on the show who Vegas. does projection. Mm -hmm. And they should be able to tell us what's on the other side of death. Because they're going there willfully while alive. Well, I can see. So the... So I took the course with uh, Lori Williams and Lynn Buchanan. So Lynn Buchanan was, he's, he worked at Fort Meade and all that. I told you that whole story. And that's like, they literally did this for the government. Um, and now they teach courses. And Lori is one of his, like, she, he was her mentor or whatever. And they teach these courses together. So it'd be so cool. I should see if, I don't know if we could get them on, but it'd be super cool because they're like, you know, 90%, like they get hired by 
you know, like I was saying, large companies, you know, police, you know, all kinds of like they're hired to do this because their success rate is so good. Like they are so good at it. They probably like, have a fabulous billing rate. So sorry, say again. They probably have an amazing billing rate. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm awesome. the one guy in the world that can uh, do remote viewing. That'll be 15k per hour, please. Now we'll convince them our podcast is big. <laughs> <laughs> well, just to come talk about it, though, you know, not to. But it. I mean, it, what was interesting to me is when you're doing it at first, it feels like, like you get a flash and you're like, no, that can't be. That just makes no sense. But it's so correct. Like it's so, so many things are hits and it's like, oh, okay. There's something to this because you can get kind of, you know, hits and whatever. It, it was interesting to me, like how anybody, even without a lot of practice, like you naturally have this ability a bit. And then if you practice it, which I, which I have not continued to do it all the time. So I'm not, you know, I'm not up there, but it is fascinating. <laughs> that was so cool. Yeah, it's uh it's very interesting because. And I'll tell you another thing we did. It was, um, they had like this, it was just like a little party thing. And everybody on the, everybody on the Zoom. So I can't remember, there was about 30 people, but we did. Have you ever seen the whole mind um, bending the spoon with your mind? Yes. And every one of us got the spoon to bend. I'm wow. telling you, it was That's cool. Amazing. It was cool. That's yeah, I'm Link for the show, Jeremy. Yeah, that's a link for a show in the comments. If people want to share it out or watch it, that's where you can do it from. Okay. I mean, I would be really uncomfortable being on a Zoom call with all of those remote viewers because I would imagine everybody's trying to guess what pants you're wearing. <laughs> Why? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I would love to hear if they can provide us or maybe if we can find somebody that does astral projection, assuming that we believe that's real. Well, Deborah does it, so I mean. Or remote viewing. Yeah. I so, mean, I, I know I know an astral projectionist. I had him on my show like a year ago. Really? Vincent, Vincent Field. He's a, he, wrote a book about, he wrote a book called Astral Projection and, and uh, Lucid Dreaming. It's another thing you can like, you can take courses on and learn to do. We all do it while we sleep. Like you guys all do it too. And then you can do it as you're awake, but it's really, it's a weird feeling too. Like you snap back in your body the second you sort of become aware of it at first. So it takes practice. Like all these things, like anything takes a lot of practice, but then it's a, you know, evidential, you know, you can do things to test yourself to make sure it's like, you're not crazy. Well, that's what I was thinking earlier when you were talking about what to believe when you're doing your remote viewing. I think there's, and we all have this, right? It's intuition. Mm -hmm. But the challenge is trying to figure out what is actual intuition and what's just noise. So you know, you know what you do? You do little things. Like I do this all the time with scratch tickets. I will. Scratch tickets? scratch you know like like the lottery yeah but it's okay. the scratch ticket so and and we did this sort of was so you you view it and you see you ask use the pendulum and ask which you know if there's a winner and then you know you get shown where it is in the store and then you go buy it and i i 
I've never won big, but I'm telling you, I win all the time, like five bucks or a free ticket or whatever. Okay, so I'll did you fine. say you utilize a pendulum to help visualize? I use a, yeah, you ask the yes, no, you say the Shell station on 30th Ave, is there a winning lottery ticket there at 12 o'clock? And it gives you an answer and it will say no sometimes. So then no, there's no ticket there, but then you ask a different one and it'll say yes. You go there at that time. And you say, if it says yes, you say, show me, and you get the visual. And I usually kind of see it, like I get a color and I get sort of where on the counter it is. So in the top right corner or something. So Deborah, how is that different from a Ouija board? Um, it's not really. Ouija boards, people are so scared about them, but really it's just another communication tool. But it's really, it's because it's spelling everything out, you know, letter by letter. Yeah, but we also have, we can move the planchette to yes or no. So if I'm asking the Ouija board, does the Shell Station on 30th Avenue have a winning card? How is that different from just- It's not different. You can use it. You can use it. Some people think that, so it's all in how you set your intentions and how you're like, who you're communicating with, or if you're using your own intuition or higher self, you're setting and controlling with all the tools you use. So it's how you decide to do it. And then if you're- God, you ready? Skunk all, you say show me and then you come a lottery here so you just <laughs> okay but then go to a grocery store i've done this lots too if i go if i know i have to go to a store that i don't normally go to and i'm looking for a particular item that and i you know i'm you know because i'm testing myself it doesn't matter so i don't cheat or anything i ask show me the thing and i you know view where it is on the shelf and then i see if i'm right or not like you test yourself in kind of little evidential ways and it just the more show me the Canadian bacon. Show me the Canadian bacon. Just do it. Like have fun with it. It's it's all fun, right? Just have a lot of fun with it. So what does this pendulum device look like? A pendulum? I have I have a few, but I literally have one right here. There's a pendulum right there. Whoa. Every she has a every time before she gets on, she's like, Should I do this guy? Should I do this? <laughs> Should I fill it? Should Is I get sick right even? now? Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. So I have a, I have a couple of them. The same with tarot cards. All of the things are just tools. And you set the intention. You set who you want to speak to. Like you control everything. Well, you know, I think we should use artificial intelligence to create our own global strangeness tarot card set. What do you think? No, don't give Scott, don't, don't give Scott ideas, please. <laughs> Scott, no, I'd like to see what Scott comes up with. Actually, that'd be hilarious. Yeah, it's just gonna be like you guys all got like knives in the head and shit. It wasn't good <laughs> when I read your tarot. It, it feels more and more like you're accurate every day, Scott. <laughs> well, those those witching rods, I know for a fact they do work. I was, I was a pipe yeah. layer for five years, and we would use that to find services when there was really no, like, yes. yeah, no, it's a trip, dude. Uh, my foreman had told me about it, and we tested out a whole house full of people. But if you get something metal and just like put it in the floor and two pieces of bent copper pipe, like like electrical wire, 14, 12 gauge electrical wire, and just close your eyes and walk over something metal. It will cross, it's crazy. No. You huh. How do you think it loop. does that? I have no idea what it does. I'm assuming it's some sort of magnetism or something. Yeah, it's frequencies. Everything's got frequencies, right? Yeah, copper's not hey. magnetic, right? Hey, Michael. So, hey, Michael. 
Am I showing I'm the two you just sent us, Michael, or no? Yeah, that's that's some digital art that I did. Am I showing this cute picture you just sent us? Yeah, yeah, let's look at that. Mm. So I think we could create a whole set of tarot cards using artificial intelligence uh, imagery. I think it'd be fun. It's, it's it Deborah at 20. <laughs> Somebody else is going to have to program it because every time I tell what to do, it does not. I'm pretty good at, <laughs> at uh, architecting the, the keywords. Well, I have a few sets of tarot cards that, like, so we can make sure we're having art that, Matt, you know, have the main characters or whatever. Um, I think we should do that. That'd be fun. We should have, we can have some merch. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be a lot of fun. I think and we can get a tarot reading. Or, like, mass, mass produce and sell them. Scott can do the, the guidebook that goes along with the deck. Yeah. That'd be, <laughs> be great. Yeah. You're fucked. You're fucked. Uh, <laughs> You're fucked. <laughs> yeah. No, that's cool. So, yeah. I'm pretty sure you could probably get print on demand for that. Yeah, see, there's, yeah. Okay. I, already, I, already got, I already got our guide. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually had this guy on my show. He sent me his book for free. Nice. I have a few what? guidebooks too, yeah. Yeah, we should do this, you guys. That's fun. Okay, back to haunted objects, though, I guess. Well, maybe we could do a show. The next show could be on tarot cards. I'd love to talk about that. Okay, I have a few sets of those, and Scott likes to do readings. <laughs> so. I need to go on the street and interview random people or uh, tarot card random people. Yeah, yeah, that would be yeah. cool. Scott's a go to random people. Do you want to know how you're going to die today? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Call me now for your free tarot card psychic reading. Uh, okay, who's on who's on bailout, Scott? I don't think Trip can afford it. <laughs> I actually uh, this week I did I was doing my street interviews. Yeah. And I I fucking interviewed the dude, and he it was a dude and his wife, and he came uh came back like. Right after a couple minutes after I was done interviewing him, and he was like, "Hey, we have some subscribers on YouTube uh, at me when the video gets up." And I checked the dude's page out; he's got 1.1 million fucking subscribers. Whoa! Oh, nice. I only got like 380, and this dude did an interview, so that was wow. pretty cool. You never know who you're going to meet in Utah with all the Mormon cults out there. Yeah, no, no, he makes freeze-dried candy, uh, trendy treats. Shout out! Thank nice. you for doing the interview. We'll take, we will take free, we will take free samples. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so, I feel so, Scott. You can go next before you get too gone. Are you done, Deborah? <laughs> All right. um, well, I had a couple, but we could just go around or whatever. I was going to share a personal story with a, uh, with a. Uh, Haunted object moving around a restaurant I used to work at. I say I say we end with that. That's a good way to end it. Okay. Okay. Well, my first one's Old Nick. So pull up Old uh, Nick one. I labeled the actual photos this time. <laughs> you did. Doesn't mean doesn't mean transfers over to my computer as we say every time. No, I labeled it on the photo. Oh uh, yes, you did, sir. Yes, I did. I, th I, thought, I thought the pictures already did that without you doing it, but okay. Okay. So um, 
in the 1980s, the St. Mary's Church in Swansea, Wales, they were just looking to update their building, right? And uh, a local architect offered to take the job, but the church ended up hiring an outside contractor. So in spite of the church, the local architect bought uh, cottages right across the street from the church. And then he demolished them and built a straight row of red brick office buildings. And then, uh, so right across from the church, right in the middle, lining up with the church, uh, at the top floor, he had a three-foot devil, this little guy, installed, just like staring down at the church. Can you go to photo two? Well, so what was his intent? Just misses the dude, right? <laughs> the, the statue would become or become to be known as Old Nick. Um, and he was quoted, like right after he built this building and had that put up there, he was quoted saying, when your church is destroyed and burnt to the ground, my devil will remain laughing. So this dude was super what? pissed off they didn't hire him. That's not a very nice guy. <laughs> he needs to go in the church. <laughs> so cut to World War II. And Swansea is just Swansea, Wales is just fucking bombarded by Nazi Germany. I mean, they fucking leveled eleven thousand buildings wow. in this place, and uh, it that included the church. However, right across the street, Old Nick sat up there watching the church, laughing down. Whoa. I mean, it. I don't know if the statue was cursed or whatever. The building eventually did get uh, bulldozed in the 60s, and old Nick went up missing. So oh, I don't wow. know if you'd call that a cursed object or it would have to be a cursed object, not a cursed place. It's a cool story. Yeah, I hope it's true. <laughs> Am I doing another one, or is somebody else taking a turn? I mean, I can take a turn if you want, I guess. I ain't got no damn picture, so y'all live. But I found this lovely list online, and I had to bring it up, you know? Because it's haunted objects in women's weird fiction from the 20s to the 50s. No. What? <laughs> haunted objects in fiction? Why do and I have women, the pictures? In women's weird fiction from the it's supernatural stories from the 1920s and 1950s, using haunted household items to explore women's changing social role, ro roles. Okay. So, uh, the first one is a saucepan in. It was, it, it was published in the second ghost book and a young man taking up a furnished flat is persecuted by a malevolent saucepan. The moonlight streamed into the dark passage through the invisible open door and with a moonlight came the distant sound of a bubbling and a boiling like water in a kettle or saucepan. And I mean, the saucepan is a symbol of domestic bliss and nurturing femininity. So 
it was inverted into a protagonist and his valet experienced severe stomach pains when they eat or drink anything paired in it. The little nail pan is essentially a witch a witch's cauldron in disguise. So <laughs> take that take that as what you will. Was it ever bliss though? I mean you're just, you know, cooking and slaving away for your <laughs> family. Oh, what ha what happened? Uh oh. There we go. Michael, I know he's yeah, he jumped off and now yep. yep, I I think he does. He, he does every show for a second. I think, but um, <laughs> the next object is a pair of scissors, and which was in Young Sim. It was He's in Young Magic. He's not the only one that has to piss every time. Oh, well, you don't. Yeah, but you just walk away. But the the, ne the next object was a pair of scissors in Young Magic by Helen Simpson, and basically, sinister supernatural activity is focused on the sewing room in the protagonist's childhood home. It's this, it's this room where she is forced to sit quietly while her nurse uses the sewing machine, simmering with resentment at being prevented from playing in the garden, which she loves, collecting snails or being free to scamper or play at being a valiant prince. And as a precursor to Matilda, the girl channels her frustration and imaginative power into a kind of telekinesis, causing a pair of scissors to twitch and move until they're standing upright but unsteadily like a man walking a rope mm -hmm. and moving with timorous, jerky steps towards the hand that still held that wheel. When she returns to the sewing room as an adult, she tries to grasp the dark force that she inadvertently summoned. So, yeah. Well, I mean, eh, and I had it. okay, well, okay, I, I was gonna skip this one, but this one's just too funny to skip. A plate, literally a plate. It was published in '33, the Crown Derby plate, but one. It's about women having a dinner party in the six. They're all in their they're all in their sixties and they're having a dinner party and one of them owns an antique shop full of a set of Crown Derby china, which she brought to auction years before that. But basically, it story builds into the point where one of the women dies holding the plate. I don't know. It seems like a really stupid idea for a book. Like, like I I can't explain the way they wrote this shit. I really can't. Mm. Okay, the rest of these all seem very stupid. Ooh. They call those forbidden? Jesus Christ. Hey, hey, hey. Actually, all right, here we go. Here you go. This is for Deborah. Forbidden Desire. <laughs> so, Gee, thanks. <laughs> so the first object is a fur boa, which, I mean... A man is pursued by, pursued by a fur bow might sound like a ridiculous premise for a horror story, but in Couching at the Door, published in 33 as well, <laughs> apparently the author delivers some genuinely creepy moments along with a satisfying sat satire of bohemian male vanity and sexual entitlement. <laughs> but the fur boa once belonged to a woman casually dismissed as a common streetwalker subjected to unspecified sexual and occult acts so extreme that the protagonist's sin has taken physical form to presume for eternity. The, the author's descriptions of the fur rope, which silently follows the protagonist at every turn, are surprisingly unsettling, bestowing uncanny life on the inanimate object, dark and shining as before, rippling with a gentle movement as it coiled itself neatly together, with only that tapering end a little raised, and as it were looking at him, only eyeless, eyeless and featureless, it could not look. Despite the fact that the supernatural persecution the protagonist offers no remorse and looks for a way to weasel out of his fate with horrifying results, apparently. So, 
how do you explain that to your wife that that thing's <laughs> like <laughs> floating along after you? Yeah, that's I weird. I don't know. <laughs> that's weird. And apparently, yeah. And that's why we need an HR, Jeremy. He's always wondering why we're talking about him in the Bigfoot form. <laughs> Scott, I believe you bring that up more than I do. So, <laughs> but uh, apparently, there's also books about a telephone, a snuff box, whatever that is. Oh, you've never had and snuff? You smoke, don't you? Not that kind of snuff box. No, it was. We used to buy it when we were teenagers. It's like powdered nicotine that you snort. Of course you do. You don't you like, don't you put don't you put on it? Oh, no, I that's it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, they used to have little metal snuff boxes, and then you just like Coke. It's a but it's tobacco. Beer, like, like, yeah, tobacco. Oh, well, okay. Well, Scott, since you know right. what it is here, we'll talk about the snuff box because it was a book called The Crystal Snuff Box by Marjorie Lawrence. In the story, which appeared in her collection, The Terraces of Night, in 32, an antique snuff box turns out to be haunted by a sexy witch. Peter, Peter, the honorable but not especially bright owner of the snuff box, can't comp comprehend what the mysterious dark-haired woman pursuing him through his dreams and waking visions could possibly want. Luckily, his smart fiance Isabel, understands she must engage her, her supernatural rival in a bow for a sweetheart's soul. As she struggles, the snuff box is imbued with all the qualities of a confident older woman. Shades of white and red and cool and hot temperatures hinting, hinting at their respective innocence and sexual experience. For all her courage, the girl was shaking in every limb, her brow pearled with sweat under the waves of her shining fair hair, her hands cold and clammy with terror. In the firelight, the crystal box glimmered demurely in its custom place, the ruddy light reflected in its shining sides. I'm telling you, they wrote books so horrible back then. <laughs> so that's enough. I know, but I watched all of your faces when he said sexy witch. They're like, hmm, okay. Mm. <laughs> I'm sure. This isn't so bad. Mm. I mean, who didn't watch sexy witch when they're teenagers? But <laughs> damn you, Sabrina. But that's all I that's all I got for now. We'll go back to it later. I got I got I got another page that's better than that one, but uh I believe I I know Michael has more pictures, and I believe Deborah does too. So, which one do you want to go? Well, okay, so I can talk about there's the bed. Maybe I'll just go straight to the since how we're talking about. You want to go straight to bed, Deborah? <laughs> the picture of the bed. Oh yeah, let's see it. So. So this is the great bed of where, and. Essentially, this bed is, so this is supposedly a haunted, the whole bed is haunted and it does not want you sleeping in it. So it's, you know, obviously really ornate and decorated and <laughs> it's, um, it's supposed to be so big that like it comfortably sleeps four couples. Like, so it's huge. It's like four, four, four couples is what it says. <laughs> Wingers, huh? <laughs> I guess. But, Apparently he doesn't want anything. Oh, let alone four that's couples. A, that's that. That's the bed that's that the Sylvanians used. Maybe that's why he's so angry. It's just like disgusted with people. I was like, stay the off out of me. <laughs> like, get away from me. You Tired of being sticky. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Anyways, um, if you believe the stories about it, it doesn't want you sleeping in it. It is, um, there's a tale and it's, it's suggested, I don't know if it's true or not, because it can confirm it, but the bed was made in the 15th century for King Edward IV by carpenter Jonas Fusbrook. And through the years, it found itself being passed down between the Inns of Ware, where commoners were able to sleep in it. So maybe that's why it went from royalty to like just any old who knows <laughs> doing whatever, and it wasn't as pleasant. And they covered it in graffiti, and so I guess it didn't like that disrespect. And um, so it angered the ghost of Foosbrook, who's the designer of it, and he now attacks any commoner who sleeps in the bed that he made noble blood only. So if you are a king, instead of the princess and the pea, you know that whole like stick the pea, they could throw her in there because if she if you're not haunted, then you are of noble blood. <laughs> but if you get in there and you're not, you're going to have trouble. <laughs> so what do you think of that? Would you sleep? Would you spend a night in the haunted bed? Well, is it the same mattress? Like, I don't know, like gross. Uh, like that's enough to give you nightmares. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Enough to give you something. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, what do you think? I don't know. Four couples in one bed. That mattress has seen a lot of things it shouldn't I mean, see. That bed, that bed scene, it's got trauma. Let's like it's PSTD. That poor bed has. That's that's why it's haunting everyone. <laughs> it seems like a story with an intent to keep commoners off the bed. Right? Yeah, but doesn't it make you want to stay there just to, you know? I just don't to know. piss somebody off absolutely. Right? right. Like, why? Like, snobbery? I can sleep in yeah. that bed. I'm good enough for you. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I wonder if Shaq would fit. That's a huge bed. Like, that's crazy, right? But Shaq I want to sleep. In, I, want to, I, I want to sleep in that. That bed be perfect for me. <laughs> well... She's all yours, and if you're of royal blood, you'll sleep peacefully. Well, I am royal blood. We all know that, so come on now. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I thought that was funny. That's hilarious. This bed is very fussy about which who sleeps in it, and it's snobby. It's a snobby. Yeah, I, I just wonder, you know, with a bed, I mm. if any object can be, I don't know, cursed or great issues. I think a bed would be a good one, right? Because you're laying there, you're in an altered state of consciousness, and there's this energy coming out of this mattress screwing with your mind. Exactly. Like when you're sleeping, you're wide open. So of all the, like to be laying right on the haunted thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it's a good night, but Deborah, yes, then you are sleeping wide open, but that's why you got to pass out and not fall asleep. Ghosts can't fuck with you. What is that? <laughs> are you, not, are you drinking you... four loco? Uh, yeah, right. No, That's red drinking Keystone. Uh oh, he, he's drinking hot garbage. He's drinking hot garbage. Okay. I'm drinking rice water. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But no, freaking. Uh, have you not seen Scary Movie Two? Ghosts can fuck with you while you're sleeping. Yeah, like he said, you're in an altered state. That's the easiest, like, easiest way. That's the easiest time for them to connect. You are open while you're sleeping. Yeah, that's interesting. So as an experiment, Michael, 
tonight, you should take your cat statue to bed. Just tuck her in mm. right in between you and your wife and see what, see, see what happens. Oh. <laughs> That'd be a good test. Yeah. Yes, it would. Yeah. I, 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 maybe I'll try that. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> so that's it. On to you. What's your next one? <clears throat> well... Got a couple here. I'm sending. I'm kind of interested in this. I'm kind of interested in this ring. Whoever brought that. That's mine. Yeah, We're going to wait on uh, that. Or I can do it. Whatever. Like it's yeah, almost my. Okay. So. All right. Uh, probably that's... the best cursed object that's ever been made. <laughs> the best cursed object that's ever been made. Okay. Hey, Michael, look at the screen. Look at the screen, Mike. <laughs> so here you go. Annabelle, cursed object. Better match. <laughs> she even actually looks scared in the photo a little bit. <laughs> <She's> like... <laughs> well, that one's not the real Annabelle either, though. That's no, the real Annabelle is like a raggedy Annabelle. Yeah. I had to look like that. <laughs> It's hey, look, get some crap from the internet. It's just supposed to be fun. <laughs> That's good. Are you able to play that uh, Facebook uh, reel that I sent? I don't know if you can do that on this. Jeremy? Oh, there he is. So I went to a Palestine-Israel march yesterday. That was that was something. Did you take your mic? Yeah, I did. I wasn't gonna. My son was recording. I wasn't gonna have any interview anybody there. Okay. But I got some video of them doing their stuff. Okay. All right. So, is this? object haunted i was actually speaking to the object which was a headstone at a graveyard and it reacted to the sls camera uh i'm not sure this will work but uh i'm not sure if, if you can can you are you able to turn on the audio on the reel are you there? Simon. Are you there? Simon, stand up. Look, he stood up. Can you zoom in a little? Simon. Are you there? Simon. So this is you? You did this? Yes. So did you just go to any old grave or is Simon somebody that you 
new or uh, I should send you that photograph, right? Let me send the photograph of this grave. There's a reason I chose Simon. Uh, <clears throat> there is a reason I chose Simon. His grave is very different. His tombstone is very different from anything that you may have seen before. It's hand-carved or hand-cut, but not, not with the tools that you would expect. It almost looks like it's just kind of haphazardly done. And uh, in that regard, it was very random, uh, very disturbing. You know, we, we're used to seeing the idea of the uh, – here, here you go. We're kind of used to seeing tombstones that are mechanically carved, right? This one was not. This one was very strange. It almost looks like this was done in concrete. Jeremy, I'm sending this to you right now. All right. Should we get in the personalized tombstone business too? I'm just saying. <laughs> concrete tombs. There you go. I don't know, Deborah. This may or may not freak you out. You the look of this tombstone. I love grave. I love. I mean, wandering you got to be careful. Canadian shake easily. I don't think so at all. I, I I sit in graveyards and I write. I find them really peaceful and I love. Oh, that's it. No, I like that. 1961, huh? Yeah, very strange. Hmm. Yeah. So, you know, there he is, Simon Fullwood. So I just went up to Simon's grave and I said, Simon, are you there? Simon, stand up. And if you believe the SLS, Simon stood up. You can see it clear as day on the video. That's that's really cool, actually. I would love to do, you know, have you ever been to a graveyard and there's an unmarked grave? Like there's a, you know, headstone, but you can't see it anymore. It's unkempt. And it's just yeah. kind of a marker. I, I would love, like, I'm always so like, who is this person? What is the story? There's like, you know. This graveyard is filled with those. Yeah, yeah. This is the first segregated uh, cemetery in Pinellas County, and it goes back a very long time, and it's very unkempt. This is the weirdest freaking thing I've ever seen. I'm sorry <laughs> the photograph what, sucks. From that, that's that what, regard, that's what gave me pause. That's what gave me pause. I was looking at the, I was looking at what you said. I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I know, right? That this could be a from, <laughs> This is from Bunratty Castle in Ireland. I think that's in County Kerry. But if you look at this, this is a cursed object. It's like a choir boy stuffed on top of this antler thing. The arms are grossly disproportionate to the body. They come out from the body anatomically incorrectly. <laughs> the whole thing is just, 
And look at the look of pain on the face of this thing. I mean, this is insane. I mean, this well, is- you know, the, the, the Irish drink enough and they see some shit. Yeah. <laughs> this is totally a cursed object. It has to be. We should send Helena to that. Oh, yeah. Let's send yeah. Helena over to there. Yeah. Do some research on it. <laughs> yeah. Is that like a shield? Oh, I'm not. Uh, yeah, it's a shield. Yeah. Okay. It yeah. Is. But you're you right. Why is there such uh, It's like a coat of arms in front of him. He's dressed like a choir boy. He's on top of this weird wooden antler thing. Is that like a real, is there like mythos or is that a real clan? Like the black and white color? Well, this is from Bunratty Castle, which is a real legitimate castle in Ireland. And okay. uh, you can go there. You pay, you know, like 50 bucks and you can walk through the castle and they have a show. Uh, I was invited to be part of the show and they put me in the dungeon. And uh, after I came out of the dungeon to preserve my yeah. life, I had to sing for the king. So uh, <laughs> I, I sang for the king. Uh I forget what I sang, uh, something about uh, my sunshine. Can you sing it now? Uh, no, yeah. I'm really not going to do that, Deborah. You, I was gonna say, if you would have come through on my question, I would have been a king. for you. <laughs> Kinky. But, I mean, Scott thinks he's a king in his own mind, so you can't sing for him. I am a king. <laughs> <laughs> that bed, that last bed was made for Scott. <laughs> it and actually looks pretty good. I'd sleep in there carefree. <laughs> well, you're right. Why was it so anguished, though? Like the stat, that, that is yeah. yeah, interesting. I don't have anything else, guys. That was my nonsense for tonight. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of nonsense, Scott, what you got? Well, I got two more. What do we got? We got time for one? Uh, Yeah, here you go. Okay, so the Ring of Sylvanus. The Ring of Sylvanus, okay. This is obviously the most important cursed object ever. Okay. 1,700 years ago, this ring was owned by a Roman man named Sylvanus. Uh, The ring was oversized, though, so it was probably made to wear, like, over top of a glove. And then it has the goddess Venus engraved into the sides with her picture there in the middle. And one day, old Sylve man was at the bathhouse of Celtic healing, some temple thing, and a thief stole his ring. So as of now, it's believed that the man who stole the ring was named Sinius. And... Um, Sure, it wasn't Bobo. He cursed the dude, right? And uh, he he fucking said that like whoever wears the ring, he made a prayer to Noden, not Odin, but Noden. And then uh, later, the ring was discovered in 1785 in a farm field, and it was sold to a wealthy family by the name of Shoots. And this is like. From that time period of the Romans to 1785, that's all we really know about where this ring was. So in the 1900s, an archaeologist by the name 
Mortimer Wheeler established that this ring was the cursed ring of Sylph. So he tracked it down to that farm family and back to the original uh, Roman owner of it. But with the discovery of this ring, Wheeler asked his friend, a professor at Oxford University, to help him find out the history of this ring. And do you know who that friend was? I believe he wrote Lord of the Rings. J.R.R. Tolkien. J.R.R. Tolkien, buddy. Wow. And the Lord of the Rings, well, the Hobbit, the part of the story with the ring, like that goes on to Lord of the Rings, Fro or, uh, Bilbo getting the ring from Schmeagel, that all comes from this ring. Yep. Wow. As soon as, you start, as soon as you start telling the story, I was like, oh, yeah, I know this story. <laughs> Greatest cursed object ever to be created. That's a cool find. Isn't that cool? Yeah. <clears throat> There's not a lot of shit on YouTube about it either. I was surprised. And to think it inspired, like, look what it's inspired, right? That whole series. like. Yeah, I have no idea how the fuck I found this. I was just. Like, I don't remember our last episode, so I was, like, down in the bottom pages looking for shit to be cursed. And, like, I ran across this thing. So. Well, Scott, don't don't lie. You know you were Googling Sylvia's anus, looking for your usual. <laughs> and then this just, you it, got me. And then this, this just came up, and you're like, oh, this is actually got me. That looks cool. Do you see how the ring is, like, this is not kind the ring of, you're looking for. Kind of like stop sign. I don't know what that would be. There's a lot of fucking signs. Octagon. Signs. There's more edges than eight, but yeah, I see what you mean. Like it's. Yeah, I wonder how they made that. All I want to know is if I put it on, why be invisible? I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I couldn't even find out where it is now. So. They don't want you to. It's in the Vatican, Scott. Come on. It's on eBay. Better not be. It's on eBay. <laughs> Both teams better own it. <clears throat> that is cool. Good one, Scott. Very cool. Thank you. Well, well, well Scott, what's your, what's, your, what's your other one, Scott? I know you got one more picture, so what's your other one? Uh, this is like a local one. I tried to find one local. Um, so this is Kay's Cross. Uh, this is apparently only a half an hour away from my house. And, and why aren't you there right now? Well, I just found out about it tonight, dude. The, the This dude apparently took a page out of the Book of Mormon. But the Facebook managers, they have a... The people who own the property, they will give you a tour of, their, of this fucking cross. Uh, I watched a bunch of people doing their ghost tours, ghost adventures. Is that a bigger paranormal show? Mm -hmm. Mm hmm They did one at this place. Um, ghost adventures is travel channel. They're huge. I don't know how much they charge, though. I didn't have time to go on and see how much they, they charge, but you can find it on Facebook. Just jump the fence and do your own tour. Yeah, maybe. I, it's 30 <laughs> minutes away. We'll see. But apparently, they're, this, they're Mormons. What are they gonna do? Throw their lucky underwear at you? Lock me up in their reach through the veil cage. And Next thing you know, Scott's that. Scott's being held hostage and has twelve wives. That's 
That'd be so, torture. <laughs> this uh, this dude started a church, right? His name was Francis Herman Penevik. Um, came to Utah, same sort of church cult shit like the Mormons. But uh, unlike Joseph Smith, he wasn't just a prophet. He was the second coming of Christ. Christ. And uh, they called themselves the WKFL. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, and love. So this dude Francis would get himself about 100 followers, and then he'd eventually move to California. But before he did, he buried three of his wives <laughs> under this fucking cross. <laughs> and uh, the story goes around here is that you've got the three wives, right? The middle one is buried standing up. And then uh, apparently there was like a K underneath the cross and somebody blew that up in the 90s and it said blow up. So I don't I don't know if they smashed it, said blew up. Police never found out who did it. I don't think they really gave a fuck. But um yeah, the, there's, you know, ghost hunters, the ghost adventurers have done it. Everybody says it's haunted. I guess in the ghost adventure show, they found a pile of hair and bones and they buried it next to the thing. And so what's the K for? Like one of the women's names or? Uh, it's Kaysville. Oh, okay. Oh, Kays Cross. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, it, looks, it almost looks like there's a K in the middle and a T to the right side and then like an L or something on the other side. So I thought maybe it's, I don't know. I'm seeing well, yeah, I wonder if there's a, <laughs> I don't remember their abbreviation, but I do see the T. Yeah, that wouldn't make sense either though, because it's WKFL. Well, uh, apparently a dude hung himself in one of those trees there in the background right next to that thing too. So that's the only like, you know, like proven this thing could be cursed. Somebody sounds like bullshit. Sounds like, <laughs> sounds like Mormon bullshit. And I just did a cult. I just did a cult one on one bracket that was full of Mormon bullshit. Yeah, you reach through the veil, you see things. I don't know. I think plural marriages pretty. sounds like scary enough. You don't even need to reach. Through the veil. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty bad. That <laughs> That's why three of his wives were. They were the biggest headache at the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Creepy Scott. That one that was buried upright, she must have been a real piece of work. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think you need to do some field research there. Yeah, yeah. it's only 30 minutes away from my house, apparently. Yeah. Maybe I'll see if I can get on there. Yeah, that'd be cool. We got a bunch yeah. of uh, haunted cemeteries, too. Maybe I'll go to a haunted cemetery next week. Whose turn is it next week? Uh, you're Scott. No, I did the one before Michael. No, I did. I did no, one I did. before you. Before well, we Deborah. sort of talked about doing a tarot card. We thing. could do tarot. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Come see Scott fail a tarot next week. Yeah. Hey, my ass. I'm going to do tarot right there in the cemetery. It'll be great. Oh, yeah. Come. <laughs> We're taking bets now to see how long Scott lasts in the cemetery before he gets taken underground. <laughs> 
Hashtag Scott gets the axe. That's a horrible hashtag. Yeah, well, Deborah, you can give us an outro. Okay, well, do you guys want to hear my personal story? Oh, God, yes. I, I forgot yeah, about oh, yeah. that. Please, Let's take please, you please. out with something to have nightmares by. <laughs> so this is, <laughs> this is true firsthand experience. So many moons ago, I was a waitress, um, a server in a Boston Pizza in Calgary. And anyone who's been in the service industry, it's very transient. You know, people come, people go. But there's always those diehard cooks or dishwashers. There's always some staff that are like they're lifers they've worked their whole life there so there was a cook there and he was one of those guys like his whole life he didn't have family or whatever but he you know the restaurant was like literally his whole life and everybody knew him you know he's well loved and anyways he got sick and he passed away and i was working there at the time like this is all happened and anyways, he always wore, you know, those, it wasn't a Western buckle, but you know, like the big, big belt buckles, like cowboys wear, but it mm -hmm. was a different design. It was silver buckle. And he always, always wore that thing. You know, we, you know, everybody teased him about it, whatever it was his thing. And anyways, after he passed away, that buckle was at the restaurant and it would literally move the F around. And I'm kidding you not. I'm not the only one that noticed it. This would happen all the time. And crazy stuff would happen like in the in the lounge side you you always had to put the chairs up on the tables or whatever so that the cleaners could come in and clean the floors and literally everybody would do that and you step out and you come back and there's like certain tables with the chairs all down again right away like crazy stuff was happening all the time and that buckle would move around the restaurant all the time so many people saw it, it wasn't really scary it was just him like we all knew who it was but when you say so it moved, what, what do you mean it moved? Do you, do you I mean, like it would be in the office and we'd put it in the <laughs> office, like the, the owner would put it in the office, lock it, and the next day we come to open or whoever comes to open and it's in the bar, like sitting on the bar. It would move around the actual building all the time. He liked to booze it up, huh? He loved to booze it up. He loved it. That's, <laughs> it. That's exactly it. It was his whole life. And, yeah, he would, you know, he'd get off shift and he would booze it up all the time. And yeah, it was always the lounge too that where the tables, like the chairs would come off a certain table or whatever. And it would be like the rest of the place, all the chairs were still up on the table, but you know, a couple, like this one table, all the chairs would go down. And it would happen like so quickly, like you just get that all done, ready to go, go check on the other side, come back and the chairs are down around this one table. And some people were really freaked out. They didn't want to be in there, like some servers or whatever. And I don't know. That would have been me. Deborah thinks it's all. No, like, you know out. who it is. And he wasn't a scary person. He was an angry person. But yeah, he was, I swear to God, that guy was still there. And he made it really well known. Probably still does to this day. <laughs> That'd be cool. Wow. Cool story. Yeah, it was neat. I worked at a haunted movie theater. Was, I didn't like it. I was probably like those afraid server people you were talking about. <laughs> Yeah, Scott's the shaggy of our group. He's like, he'd rather go eat and, and drink than sit there and deal with ghosts. Says the guy that's like, no, I'd never go to a graveyard. <laughs> I know, I've been on location. Hey, 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 hey. I've done it. I've, I've, <laughs> I've done it. I've done speakable things in graveyards, but nothing ever happened. So. <laughs> So that's it. That's my firsthand story. But the belt, like the buckle was a real thing. That's the thing that seemed, like was moving around all the time and 100% associated with him. 
Was he like a native cowboy? No, no, huh. not at all. <laughs> he's like in the wild, in the wild, wild west of Canada. Yeah, yeah no, he wasn't a cowboy. He was, yeah, no, not none of that. That's just how he dressed. Whatever he, white guy, kind of overweight with mullety kind of hairdo. <laughs> so, <Whoa. laughs> it's just the way that was his style, but it was his thing. <laughs> well, we're dedicating this episode to that dude. Yeah, JP, this one's for you. <laughs> mm. Jeremy's gonna shave a mullet next <laughs> next week. I ain't, I ain't not having no damn mullet. Show your mouth. <laughs> so. I do need a buzz cut though, so I look like Scott. But try and shave it once a week. That could be a scary episode. In the morning. That could be a scary episode. We all do home haircuts on. Well, Scott, what are you gonna? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> home haircut every week. <laughs> I was gonna say, Deborah, didn't we ever see that one with you? I think. Two or three. I do, but you see that now. every freaking week, and it's always terrible. It's always scary. <laughs> every one of our screenshots is when ever tells us, "Oh, I don't want to be on camera." Uh, well, me and Michael are on the late side of life here, so uh, Deborah, why don't you do the outro? See you guys next week. That is all the fun we have for you this Sunday. But join us next Sunday, and we will tell you your fortunes. Not. Be warned. Excellent show. Good night, everyone. Do, Good night. do not believe Scott's carny rules. <laughs> you can find me on Facebook as Jeremy Bryant, or you can find me as Uncensored, Unapologetic, and Untamed UQ Podcast Collective group, Facebook group. You can find me on Twitter and the Instagram as at JuggaloBastard, or should I say X now? And you can find me on TikTok as at Podcast. You can also find me on YouTube as Paranormal New Normal, and you can also find me streaming on YouTube as Blind Knowledge Network, because all knowledge is blind until they admit Bigfoot exists.